Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I mean, I didn't expect laughs. I don't know, chuckles. Josh is walking. Oh, it's the head. Okay, okay. I'm like, man, make a guy self-conscious as soon as he steps on the stage. Uh, I don't know how you guys' week has gone. We jumped into November, and uh, I think you can, you can gauge level of insanity based on how early you start listening to Christmas music, <laughs> watching Christmas movies, and setting up your Christmas tree. <clears throat> or... If you marry somebody who does that, that also fits on the scale somewhere. So, yeah, this, this week our tree is up. Christmas music was played in the house, and last night they were watching a Christmas movie. I was like, what is happening? What is going on here? So they're still, still kind of maybe shaking off some of the COVID stuff and just, wanna, just want joy, right? They just want joy in the season. So, so I thought I would, you know, put my Christmas red flannel on and uh, just get in the spirit. By a show of hands, who else? Uh, tree is up. Anybody? Oh, okay. Okay, I'm going to introduce you to my wife. You guys can have a... We're starting another small group. Anybody? Any Christmas music playing in the house. Okay, all right. We've got... We've got like a... That's a, that's a pretty great group. Any Christmas movies that are already... already dro- okay, see, that, that's a little more... Now the group's a little bigger. Now we just got to add a midweek service. Okay. All right, here we go. So this, uh, today, a year ago, my friends Joe and Megan got married. So if they're watching or if you're uh, listening later, happy anniversary. But they had a COVID wedding. So they, they, they had like 20 plans, all changing, changing, changing. And then they're, they're actually never able to have a reception. So if you, I'm just like, pull out your phone if you have their numbers, text them happy anniversary Right, Joe at rindicator.org, happy anniversary. Um, if you want to know what Joe's favorite color is, it's cash. Um, so I think uh, Megan, she, hers is gift cards. So, um, but let's, let's just like love on them and bless them. Happy one year anniversary in such a weird uh, season. Uh, also this week, Jeff and Stacy had 25 years of marriage celebration. So if you see them walking around, yeah. 25 years, so my friends are uh, ex- uh, uh, celebrating some exciting things happening this week. Um, but as Chris said, to some a little bit of applause, like we just concluded First John, uh, we, we um, ended that with this phrase, and um, it, it could seem like a, a one-off or an aside that, that John would, would say this, and, and maybe it was even his age, right? He's at this point in his 90s, and... Um, and maybe he's just, you know, not able to keep a train of thought. Uh, so he concludes his letter with this, verse 21 in 1 John. See, so you thought we were out of it. And now we're just diving right back in. 1 John 5, verse 21, little children, right? That was that beloved. Here, here's my, I'm, I'm, I'm this elderly grandfather speaking to my kids. Um, keep yourself from idols. 
And I, I really don't think it was too far removed from what he was already writing about, from what we've been studying for these last few months. Because he says these three we know statements at the, at the end of uh, the letter. And Joe did a, a terrific job walking us through that last week. But, so the first one was this. We know, right? We have this confidence that because of Jesus, we can be adopted into the family of God. All right, we know that. Let's have this confidence that, that we, our lives are now hidden with Christ and we are dead to sin. Sin has been defeated. The second one, we know. We know this. We have this confidence that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are part of God's family, though we live in a world where the evil one still has power. So we know this. We, have, we understand this. We have that confidence. We know this. We have this confidence that putting our faith and trust in Jesus and his work that he accomplished on the cross that we have eternal life. So those three, we know. Now, having said all of that, now, little children, beloved, keep yourself from idols. Right? He's saying, keep yourself from putting your faith and trust in anything that is not what we've talked about. Anything that is not included in this letter. Anything that is not Jesus. Keep yourself from idols. No. Right? Understand. Have this confidence that if you are who you are now because of what Jesus has done on the cross, don't look to anything else. Because there is an evil one, right? There is an evil one that's still in the world and he will pull and he will twist and he will present these false gods, these idols that offer security, they offer hope, they offer fulfillment, but they will leave you empty. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So we begin a new series today based on that verse. Little children, keep yourself from idols. But what is an idol? Think about it this way. What is that thing that if you lost it could mean that you would lose the will to live? Right? That, that's, that's an idol. If, if anything you lose, that you would lose uh, your, your, uh, your hope, right? The, anything that you rest your heart in more than God, that's an idol. You, you place your hopes and dreams, right? Your security, your peace on something other than God. It's an idol in your life. And Jesus would even say this, he, he, he said, unless you love me more than your family, right? It's one of those, those hard things that he says to his followers. You can, you can look there in Matthew 10, verse 37, it says this, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He says, simmer down, Jesus, All right? That's my mama you're talking about. But the deceptive part is, is these, aren't, these aren't bad things, right? In, in fact, most of the idols that we have in our lives, they're, they're good things. Even the ancients, they, they would look to these idols, right? They, they created and they fashioned them with their own hands, with their own tools. They would look to these and they would say, I need you to bring me rain. I need, I, we need fertility. Like we're, we want you to, to bless our crops. Like we're looking for health. We're looking for protection. So they're, they're creating and fashioning these gods Right, to give them things that are, that are, are good. I, I can't imagine trying to worship these things. The problem is when these things get out of order. Now, this has been sitting in my office uh, for the last decade. It was part of an art installation at Milliken. Um, there was a student at the time that was living with us, and he made about 50 of these, and I had several of these, um, but after a few moves, um, this is the one who remains. <laughs> and I can't imagine, right, ascribing worth or honor to it, right? We would, okay, we could be the people, the blue heads, right? We could, we could wear some pretty cool outfits. 
They, nothing binding, like loose fitting, like in bald is beautiful. Right, we, could be, we, could, we could start a new thing. We could, we could trust in blue. Blue, you are going to lead us. You're going to guide us. You're going to protect us. Blue head could even forecast our futures with these little short quippy phrases, right? Maybe they're, they're based on our birth month. That'd be pretty cool. We could be the people of the blue heads. It seems ridiculous. Seems uh, absurd. And we look down on the ancients. We say, oh man, they had such primitive minds. How could they put their faith and trust in something that they created and fashioned with their hands? And yet, and yet, we put our faith and our trust and our hope in things that don't last. And they're sure to break our hearts. See, they wanted fertility. They wanted crops. They wanted security. They wanted protection. We desire essentially those same things and we just go about them by different means. We love our families and we want security and we want wealth and we look to money and we look to career and we look to people, right, to fill those voids. St. Augustine, he was a fourth century theologian and philosopher and he said this, the essence of sin is disordered love. It's disordered love. We let things get out of order. We've placed money, relationships, notoriety, success over our love for God. So let me be clear, like Jesus is not anti-family. Jesus would never say, do not love your mother. Jesus is not saying, he would never encourage you to hate your kids. The caution is more than, more than me. It's more than. We can get these things out of order. So understand, Jesus knows that he can fulfill. Jesus knows he can take your cares. He can take your worries. He can take your anxieties. He knows that he can bear the weight. Right? His yoke is easy. His burden is light is what the scriptures say. But we look to the ancients and we're, we're, we're absolutely horrified at the practice of, of child sacrifice. And, and rightly so. Like, right, like we can't believe that they would sacrifice their kids, send their kids and, and their, their wives through fire. And yet, there's still those that work and work and work to get ahead. And their kids are sacrificed for career. Right? There's no child or, or, or brides that are being burned on the altars, but their, their relationships are being sacrificed for, for career, for advancement, for money. It's disordered love. It's when we allow things to get out of order. So here's, here's what's true of an idol. An idol will always break your heart. Pastor theologian Tim Keller, he put it this way. He said, if we look to some created thing to give us meaning, to give us hope, to give us happiness that only God himself can give, it will eventually fail to deliver and break our hearts. So let's, let's ask ourselves this question. What thing, if it were absent, would take away your desire to live? What would take away your hope, your security? What would crush your dreams if it were gone? Because nothing, not even the best things, can give your soul all it needs. Right? When, when we put our trust in things that are sure to fail, 
All right, this has led to suicide for so many. I don't know if you remember um, hearing stories of those that went through the Great Depression and they lost everything in that crash. And the same thing happened uh, to a lot in 2008 with the, the, the crash of the stock market there. It happens with businesses all the time, right? The, the, the risk was too great. The cost was too high. Or you, you know stories of the athlete who he gets injured or he retires and their identity was all wrapped up in being successful, right? It was in that sport. This is all I've known since Pee Wee League. Who am I if I'm not on that field, if they're not chanting my name, if they're not cheering for me? I had a friend in Texas. He was uh, uh, in the NFL for a short time. He played football all his life and he was, he was injured in a preseason game and this injury took him out. The thing that he worked all his life for was over. He was cut. And the enemy it whispered in his ear. He said, NFL for you meant not for long. And he said this, he said, but the Lord whispered back, newfound life. And so he put hope, his hope in Jesus. And when his identity was shaken, he found new life in Christ. So many struggle and many are, are given to those addictions because they, uh, even, even their desire to live and will end in, in suicide because they've put their hope and their trust in something that, that fails, it fades. But it's not always that degree of tragedy. Sometimes it's the marriage that falls apart and ends in divorce shortly after the kids are grown and raised because the marriage was all centered around your kids. And you don't know who you are without the kids. You didn't work on this relationship. That's why I, I, I try to tell our kids all the time, like, listen, if, if Jen and I, if we don't make this work, like this isn't gonna work. Like we gotta make this the focus and then this uh, can work. And then when our kids are grown, which is, uh, I've got one almost, that's 17, beautiful, ready to launch into adulthood. And then I've got a two-year-old. So at some point, though, they will launch. And if, I, if we've put everything centered around our kids and everything into our kids, our, our marriages will, will be lost after our kids leave. Or if they've been the focus for so long, what is this relationship without them? It's just disordered love, right? It's out of order. It's not wrong to love your kids. Right? This can be true of any profession. Who am I without my title? When I'm no longer pastor, right? when, I'm, when I'm not a teacher, when I'm not a, a factory worker. You guys know, you've probably heard of those, those stories or you know somebody. They've worked 30, 40 years, gave their life to a company and they, they reach retirement age and they retire and they're not able to enjoy it. Right? They, they don't live long. They're not able to enjoy their, their retirement afterwards. There's so many examples, and much of it is just disordered love. It's out of order. It's idolatry, and it's, it can be deceiving because most of these are good things. Are you kidding me? Who doesn't want wealth? Who doesn't want success? Who doesn't want talent and family? And yet, if these things can get out of order, they can be so unhealthy. Right? They can be destructive. Right? They're, it's deceiving. So let, turn to Romans chapter one. Let's listen as Paul, he's addressing the Roman church in this first chapter. Um, and and he's, he's writing concerning the righteous and the unrighteous. So here he's, he's talking about the unrighteous in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals 
and creepy things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator or the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So the, the ESV uh, study Bible, it had this, this note that was so good, I just want to share it. Modern idols, they don't look like ancient ones, right? Images served today often are mental rather than metal, but still people devote their lives to them and their trust and the many things. Let me, read, let me read that again. But people still devote their lives and trust in many things other than God. See, I can't imagine worshiping uh, Mr. Bluehead here. I can't, I can't imagine worship, worshiping an idol, but we often do, don't we? Like things can get out of order so quickly and sometimes even with good intentions. So my challenge to you is this. Let's build our life on that thing that doesn't fail. Build your life on, on, on the thing that won't fail you. It won't change. It doesn't fade. Build your life on something that's not going to break your heart. I'm going to spend the, the rest of my time today talking about money. It's okay. It can be an issue for many of us. And if we, if we don't have it, we want it. Right? If we have it, we, we could always use more. But how do we make sure it doesn't get out of order? So in the Bible, there are over 2,000 verses that deal with the subject of money and possessions. That's more than prayer. That's even more than faith. And almost half of the parables that Jesus teaches are concerning money and possessions. Many of you are familiar with what the Bible says about the love of money, right? It's the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Sounds painful. So how do we trust God with our money? That's really, it's about trust. That's really what it's about. How do we trust God with our money? Because how you handle money, how you think about money, it reveals your priorities. It reveals your affections. It reveals who you are trusting in. I, I'm a huge believer in tithing, right? I, I was talking with, with uh, Joe the other day and he, he said, I haven't found one person who, who is a faithful tither and regrets it, right? They're, they're just... Just always seems to be enough. God always provides and, and they're able to trust God and give. But that's the testimonies of, of those people who are, are faithful in their giving. And um, l- let me lead with this because I, I, <laughs> I can feel there's a little bit of tension in the room because we're talking about money. Listen, money is like the number one thing that ends marriages. Like I get it. Like m- money is the number one cause of not, 78% of statistics are made up on the spot. Let's, let's understand that. So, so, so money it, it causes suicides. Money causes uh, marriages to break up. Money causes divorce. Money causes people to get things out of order, mixed up. God doesn't need you to give my money. He does not need your money. I don't know if that helped break the tension at all or not. He's not looking at a budget and wringing his hands and be like, oh, I hope around the globe they're giving this week. I, ho- I hope they're giving because I don't know what I'm going to do if they don't give. God does not need your money. God doesn't need you to give. But you need God 
you need to be able to trust God with your money. When you trust God with your money, it'll amaze you what he will do with and in your heart. I've seen it with my own life. Like we don't, we don't have loads of, of, of cash, but at the same time, we've been able, we've been able to see uh, because we fo- followed the leading of the Lord. We've been able to, to give um, money to orphans, right? We've been able to give vehicles that change uh, lives. Um, we've been able to give large life-changing tips to servers. And this is, this is not like this, this brag on, on Josh. This is not this, uh, we were giving out a sacrificial obedience. These were sacrificial gifts that we, we've given. And when God has your heart and you have things in order, you give even when it doesn't make sense. Just the other week, I, I connected with a friend. I hadn't seen him in a decade. And he's about to move to France to learn the language. So he can move to Morocco or Tunisia. They, there's, they're French speaking, that's what, what they do business in. So he's going to move to France for a year or two, learn French, and then move to Morocco or Tunisia. And that's 99% Muslim. When they land in, in Morocco or Tunisia, they're going to learn Arabic with a specific accent and dialect of, of where they move. It's actually illegal to convert from Islam to Christianity in these nations. It's not like a fine. It's not like maybe a little jail time. It's punishable by death. And he said this. He said, if I don't go, I'm like, why, kind of, why, why, why are you going? Why do you feel called to this? And he goes, if I don't go, who will? The God has just put it on his heart to, to do this. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment as we were having a discussion. He said, I want you to give, I want you to give him $5,000. That's one of those um, Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, because I don't know about you, but <laughs> who's got an extra $5,000 laying around? There's always a project you want to do. There's always savings that is pretty great to have. There's always something that you, uh, you just don't want to just say, okay, and give it. But I know what that voice sounds like. And he was impressing on my heart to give, and it, it, it sure wasn't my idea, so I go to Jen. <laughs> so I go to Jen and I say, uh, you know, t- tell her about, she knew the guy and reconnected with him. He's like, yeah, I haven't seen him in 10 years. And uh, so I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to give money. He's like, um, but I, I don't, I don't want to tell you how much it is. And, uh, and, and we've done this before where it's like, okay, you go and you hear uh, from the Lord and we come back together and it's like the same number and it's like, oh, this is so awesome. And she didn't do that. She didn't even skip a beat. She was like, uh, $10,000. I'm like, no, God told me five. But that's the heart because we've seen God move. And so we were preparing to, to give $5,000 so that the gospel can go forward in Morocco and Tunisia. And again, like, listen, the lie that, that could be said is, is don't say anything, right? Don't say anything or don't say the amount, right? Because then that's just boasting and that's just bragging. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's, it's a matter of discipleship. And so when I wrestled with the Lord, I'm just going to say a gift. We just were impressed to give a gift. And he's like, no, I, I need you to tell them what I instructed you to do because it's a matter of discipleship. When God has your heart and things are in order, it's his. 
You hold all things loosely and you trust him. And listen, we trusted God with, with hundreds. Then we've trusted him with thousands. And so we're trusting him with this. We're just, we're trusting him. God, if you're calling me to do this, you have my heart and you have my money. This is yours anyway. And so that's, that's, that's above, like I'm a big believer in tithing, but that's above tithing. So the hope is, is to encourage you to take a, a step of faith just in hearing God, just in hearing what he would lead you in to say, God, I want to put my trust in you and not in my finances, not in my money. I've learned to trust him. So I say that to encourage you. Don't wait. Don't wait to trust God with your money. Trust him. Because I guarantee <laughs> you're not telling yourself to give money. Right? I'm not telling myself, you know what? You should give, give a bunch of money away. Like th- those thoughts aren't coming from So learn to hear his voice. My favorite chapter in Proverbs says this. It's chapter three, verse nine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Listen to, to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as he has decided in his, in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's a spiritual principle. Right? It works on, on God's economy. It's this upside down kingdom. It doesn't make sense, but it's what he does. Listen to this. The world says get even. But the spiritual principle that leads to peace is Forgiveness. The world says that you should stress, right? That you should worry, that you should fret. And he says, cast your cares on him and be anxious for nothing. The world says, if you want to be great, you got to get out in front. You got to hustle. You got to look out for your own interests. The spiritual principle is this. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to first learn how to serve. The world says to save, to keep, to hoard, to store up, to gain. But the spiritual principle is this, to give and it will be, more will be given to you. Luke 6, verse 38 says this, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Right, for them, currency was, was grain, right? Pressed down, shaken together. You, know, you ever get that, that bag of chips and you open it up and you're like, I thought about a whole bag of chips. I have a bag of chips. Right? A little settling happens. So he's like, oh, don't worry about that. Press down, shaken together, running over. It's going to fill your lap. It's going to overflow. Give and it will be given to you. So give. If it's mercy, give. And what you give in mercy, it will be given back to you. If it's forgiveness, Give. As quick as you are to forgive, it will be given back to you. Forgiveness will come. If it's money, give. And his promise is, the spiritual principle is that it will be given back to you, that you will have what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Not my words. Those are his. Give and it will be given to you. Luke 16, 
Verse 10 says this, one who is faithful in very much is also, uh, one who's faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you've not been faithful in, what, in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This principle of offering to God, trusting God with the first and with the best, is from the beginning. We can find it all the way back in, in Genesis. Right, it starts with the, those first kids, Cain and Abel. Right, they bring their first. They bring uh, Abraham. He brings a, a tithe or a tenth of the spoil of war. And he gives it to that, that character Melchizedek. Right, Jacob would later, he, he'd vow to give a tenth in Genesis 28. He says this. And this stone to which I have set up for a pillar. They would set up these stones as remembrances. So they could tell their kids, look what God did. And this shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. So the point I'm making here is this. This all happened before Moses, right? It all happened in Genesis. It all happened before the Ten Commandments, before the law was given. This is all in Genesis. Because some would say this, the uh, tithing, that, uh, giving, that's, that's under the law and we're under grace now. I'm saying to you that this is not part of the law. It's a spiritual principle. It's at work when God has your heart. When you trust God with your money, it's been there from the beginning. And if you must go New Testament, then decide in your heart what you should give. Right? Having this mind, that if I sow sparingly, I'll reap sparingly. But if I sow bountifully, I will also reap bountifully. So let's take this posture. Okay, God, here I am. My heart is yours. My money is yours. What do you want me to give? Where can I advance your kingdom today? Listen, release your grip. <laughs> there's no campaign starting today. We're not taking an offering. Like there's nobody gathering to pass a plate. We don't pass plates around here. It's a heart issue. We're not gonna take an offering at the end. God doesn't need your money, but you need to invite God's blessing into your finances. God doesn't need your money, but you need to be able to fully trust him with your finances. God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. And when we get things out of order, we can place money, possessions, family, people, career, notoriety. We can place those things ahead of our love for God. For God so loved the world that he extravagantly gave his first, his best, his only son. He led in this, that whosoever, I'm a whosoever, you're a whosoever, or you can be a whosoever, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. He's in the, the business of giving and giving extravagantly. He gave when it hurt. Jesus said, Father, if this, if this cup could pass from me, right, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was going to be arrested, he's saying, if there's any other way than the cross, let's do that. But it's not about my will, God, it's about yours. Not my will, but yours be done. 
Jesus gave all and he gave much. You can trust him. Is there anything? Is there money? Is there career? Is there success? Is there family? Right? Is there marriage? Is there, is there children? Is there anything that you're looking to for meaning? To give you hope, to, to fulfill you, to give you happiness, to give you security. Is there anything other than Jesus? Because it will break your heart. It will leave you wanting. Jesus is the only one that gives lasting peace. He's the only one that will give hope and security and the love that you're looking for. Only God does that. Many have described it as this, it's this God-shaped void that nothing else can fill no matter how hard we try. And when things are out of order, we're trying to fill it with money, with all those things. And it leaves us empty and it leaves us wanting. It's a hole that only God can fill. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you that you are, you are an extravagant giver. God, you are one who gave your first and you gave your best so that we could have the riches of eternal life. God, we love you and we honor you and we pray that you would do a, a work in our heart. God, help us to get things in order. Help us to begin to trust you. God, whether it's with our, our family or with our career or with our money or with our time, God, help us to begin to say, God, we, we trust you and listen for your voice. What would you have us do? What would you have us give? God, whether it's mercy, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's money, God, where can we give? God, we submit our heart and our will to yours and we say, not our will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 